What's going on, traders? We got an action-packed show this morning. Of course, we'll get to some Elon Musk, and you don't want to miss Dennis's comment coming up, of course. And then we'll get to some Fed Outlook, PCE Day. Yes, it's going to have a live reaction right here, of course, only on pre-market prep. We'll talk some oil, OPEC+, Plus, Salesforce, Snowflake, Immunogen, disaster stock of the day. Can you guess it in the chat? Let me see if you guys see what's out there and big disaster today in that stock. Victoria, five below. Express, will it go out of business? We'll talk about it today. Ford, what happened with the UAW deal? How much did it really cost it? Find out, of course, right here on Pre-Market Prep. And our guest, CC Legator, co-founder of Option AI. It's Pre-Market Prep team. It's time to rise and shine. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. What's going on, traders? How we doing? Of course, you guys can see the action as we bounce back from yesterday's, uh, let's say, Fed talk, maybe. Um, we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, definitely saw some downside action come in, but we're climbing back. As you guys can see, we're almost back even towards around 150 pricing of yesterday. We're at 456 there on the SPY. Q bouncing back also, maybe not as much as the SPY, but we'll talk a little bit about that coming up with Dennis Dick, of course. USO, oil starting to get a little bit of a bounce to the upside. Let's see the XLE because that's what I've been really kind of focusing on. You guys can see, got up there towards, it looks like a high on the spike of the news towards 85.20. We'll talk a little bit about OPEC coming up right now. Stick around, team. A lot to talk about. We'll get into the action right here. You guys see gold and silver up, but let's bring on Dennis Dick. Let's talk about the action from yesterday. And then, of course, we'll get into the hype on the day. But uh, first, first, let's talk about the overall market action that you saw yesterday. Then we'll get into today's action. How are we doing, oh, Dennis? Chop fast contrarian dream there yesterday. We run all morning. They're buying everything straight up. And then the old rug pull about, you know, 20 minutes, half hour into the day. They decide, no, 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 we're selling everything. Give all the gains back, basically, in the S&P. End up closing red. IWM gave most of the gains back, but did hold a little bit green, I believe, from the day before. Um, so it was a chop fest yesterday. And now we bounce back a little bit here today. I mean, we got, we're at a battleground, battleground between the bulls and the bears. I think, you know, we set up well to the end of the year, but it's not going to be smooth sailing because there's profit taken out here. Mitch, like we said, we've come a long ways a little bit yeah. too fast. This next week to two weeks is going to be hard to call. I think you're going to see the rally in the last couple of weeks again, Santa Claus time, um, you know, which is obviously, you know, that we're talking about the last week in December there. Um, but I think before that, could get some chop. Yeah, I actually uh, was able to take a little bit advantage of that downturn. Um, I played some SOCKS just for like the quick day trade scalp. Um, and the reason I was able to make that call yesterday was because of the big boys, right? I started looking at the big boys. I was seeing Microsoft and that was weak right out the gates. I was seeing Google. That was down right out the gates. I was seeing Tesla. That I sold it pretty quickly, guys. I got rid of that swing. I took the money and ran. I said, yeah, I see all these big boys starting to head down. I look at NVIDIA, it's also pretty weak. I'm like, okay, Apple was the only one that was slightly in the green when this was happening. This was right around, let's say, 11. Um, and then uh, we started to just start really going back into the red there overall for Apple. And once that started happening, I was like, there's no big boy that's green right now. This is the time maybe yeah. when they finally start to hit it. So I went after SOCKS for the scalp type of trade and got the pop, right? Now it's kind of more, do I stay in that trade? I left the tiniest, tiniest bit as a runner just because it was a scalp. And I was like, maybe it just keeps running. But at this point, you can clearly see it. We're almost already back down to that. And that was right here on the break of eight, starting to come back up. So not looking too bad there. We'll see if we can actually get uh, an actual move that's an actual pullback. Because to me, 
this is still not even that big of a pullback when you think about it. Overall, oh, we're just nothing. back towards Tuesdays and Monday prices. Yeah. We're, we're, we have no, really no pullback here at all. And remember, our, our lie detected TLT had a pretty good day here yesterday. Still holding on down slightly today, but still holding on to those gains. I think as long as TLT stays above 90, it's green light go on buying dips. Again, not chasing, but buying dips. You get some dips yesterday, the dip buyers do emerge, and we saw it in multiple stocks like we were talking, you know, in yesterday's show, if you rewatch it from the pre-market, all those earnings stocks that got hit on the earnings, all of them bouncing back. I guess Okta was the exception, but majority of those stocks getting bought on dips. Yeah. Let's go to what everybody is talking about here, Mitch, this morning was the Elon Musk interview here from last night which was just nothing short of jaw-dropping, in my opinion. I, I couldn't believe some of the stuff that was getting said. It, um, what, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I, I'll give a little bit of a summary for maybe some of those that haven't been keeping up with Elon. I mean, sure. I know that's kind of hard, but uh, Elon Musk, of course, facing criticism for endorsing anti-Jewish posts on X, and uh, he apologized, admitting that it was possibly one of his worst mistakes, but his comments, of course, uh, led advertisers like Walt Disney and others pulling their ads so musk you know came in fiercely and defended against all the blackmail he used some strong language that uh we'll talk a little bit about that coming up here Holy. but despite the backlash he stood by the quality of his company's products emphasizing his contribute uh what he's contributed to the environment through tesla and the controversy the controversy of course drew to his denouncing of hate speech, uh, engaging in discussions with Israel officials uh, while reiterating his comments against anti-Semitism. And then, of course, the comment that shook the world, I'm going to say. Uh, what was it, Dennis? The, the advertisers. And CNBC is not very good on their beep button, but check out Money Mitch. Go. Oh, he was slow on that. <laughs> oh, Go. I was typing in test. Oh, my gosh. We just blew it. You're slow on it too, and I didn't say it. Here we'll go. Go. This is what they're supposed to do on CNBC. Go yourself. <laughs> and we're back to the, the, it's the Jerry Springer show. You guys didn't know. Uh, you guys remember Jerry Springer back in the days? It was just like he, you, you you couldn't even get one word out. It was just it. It, it honestly, I I can't believe they didn't beep that out. So three times he dropped the F word, at least twice. I think it was three times. I think he said. He said it twice, so he was saying in the context that he was talking about advertisers dropping him because what he said on Twitter. And he said to the advertisers, he basically said, if you're dropping me and using this as blackmail against me, go yourself. That's what he said twice in a row. Like, let me be clear. He said, go. Your, and, and, and they said the F word right out on CNBC twice. I, I think the producers. The I've never heard the F word said on CNBC before. <laughs> So I I've think the producers CNBC were stunned. I've never, I've watched CNBC for 24 years. I've never seen the F word dropped. I know Carl Icahn, he did drop some swear words, but I don't think it was the F word. What Carl, Uncle Carl said when he was fighting with Ackman, he said some stuff. But anyway, you know nothing the, short of absolutely incredible that, you know, Elon Musk speech. It was jaw dropping to say the least. But, you know, that's what it is. I mean, um, Musk says what he wants. He doesn't care what people think. Um, and you know, some people like that. A lot of people didn't like it. I was just in shock. I was like, holy, I can't believe he told yeah. advertisers that. So you never know, you know what is going to come out of Elon Musk's mouth. The guy is a genius. You know, what he has accomplished is nothing short of incredible, but it's his mouth, man. What he's going to say, you never know what this guy's going to say. And he does tick a lot of people off. Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's interesting, right? I mean, because if this was anybody else, anybody else i think they would never go on cnbc again literally yeah. they, you would be yeah. banned they would be like goodbye you're never coming well, back they, on they, but they don't beep it out How, i thought there's a delay like a couple seconds for that stuff to allow it to beep out so yeah i'm sure there was a delay there but the the key there is that even with that delay dennis you got to catch it in real time because the the only way to to stop it there would be to like put like a a breaking news image or something and yeah. interrupt the interview. So they didn't it's want to do, to do that too. Like you just, we just planned it and you tried to do it and we messed exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, it's more impossible do. unless you're the person bleeping your self, you know, then, yeah. then it makes a little bit easier sense. Uh, but Hey, this is the situation we've been dealing with. This is, 
and I'm going to say, this is a reason why a little part of me was almost long into this event because I thought that some people were maybe coming after Tesla because they wanted to get short based on these comments. We've been trying to not avoid this talk, but not heighten the talk because really it doesn't have to exactly do with Tesla, but it definitely affects the stock and the investors out there, their mindset. We had um, just Redler on the other day and he even said it. I don't know how to think about Tesla anymore. Will we start to see some actual investors give up on Tesla because of Elon, Dennis? What do you think? Um, you do. You see some investors give up. And Ross Gerber was one of the long promoters, and he's talk, talked about potentially giving up on Tesla. Um, Baron, I don't know if he will. He'll probably go to the grave with them. But the people who like Tesla kind of like that Musk is on the edge, and some people just like that he's like that. I mean, it was yeah. mixed on Twitter last night. There were some people very offended from what he was saying and then there was other people that were like go must go you know f these advertisers you know if they want to do that stuff and you know some people don't like the woke agenda you know and he's been you know outspoken against some of that as well here so i mean it, it's a very mixed twitter on him on on you know twitter i keep calling it twitter i'm gonna call it that forever but it's mixed reviews even from what he was saying last night but you know what gets headlines it gets headlines that it that it definitely does. Uh, no short of headlines as Elon. And don't forget, what's today? Another event, guys. Don't forget, Cybertruck. Yeah, Cyber the Cybertruck event, Noon. which he is saying is going to be the biggest Noon, um, you guys, know, event launch event it. in the history of launch events. So he's pumped. Yeah, I, I mean, this is this is something definitely to take a look at. Um, and we'll see what happens. Right? Will they come out with something surprising? I don't think so, but hey, a lot of times these events have also been the sell the news event. So that's the question I think a lot of traders will be asking themselves with Tesla today. All right, I'm let's I'm going to be back in 30 seconds here, man. Go ahead, Dennis. Uh, go ahead. I, I got it. All right, let's talk a little bit about the Fed talk that happened. Of course, Fed Barkin uh, was saying that housing inflation is still evaded. Uh, elevated, of course, while rents have come down and housing prices are still going up. Uh, he said that I'm still looking to be convinced on inflation, not willing to take another rate hike off the table. And this came from Barkin yesterday. Then Bosick a little earlier had said that downward trajectories of inflation would likely continue, but economic activity will slow in the coming months. Tighter monetary policy is biting harder into economic activity. So here we have two Fed uh, that are saying clearly that the consumers will slow down. They're saying that they expect it coming in the coming months, yet there's not many out there that are really saying the slowdown's coming. If you take a look, and I'm going to call them the perma bulls, right, because they're bringing out all that statistics, and I can't blame them because they have a quantitative approach, right? Like you can never really hit Ryan Dietrich because the truth is he's coming with a quantitative approach. He's bringing that proof into things, right? And so I think this is all things that we need to be thinking about. Um, the Fed clearly saying that economic slowdown is coming. But if you look at the experts, all the experts out there are not really giving us that. But I even pointed it out in Ryan Dietrich's numbers that that first Q1 in the year four of the president is the weakest quarter of them all. So this is where I'm this is where we all been talking about uh, that we're leading towards a 24 that could be an abrupt slowdown at the beginning of the year. Uh, sorry, guys. I was just, uh, my wife is outside and we got somebody here and the kids were murdering each other. So I had to just intervene for a second there. <laughs> no worries. No worries. We wanted to see. You, the you get young but... kids. They fight. The, the, the sibling rivalries here get pretty yeah. intense sometimes in the morning. So that's yeah. how it is, man. But I was just talking about the Fed action here. Of course, they're saying that uh, the slowing is coming. Uh, tighter monetary policy starting to affect economic activity. Um, some people still saying about housing inflation that it's still in, in, uh, elevated. Um, rents have come down a little bit, but housing prices are still going up, man. Um, so what's going to break They've here? come down a bit in Canada, but yeah, it's still a mess over there, obviously, in the U.S. with just housing and uh, prices going up. And that's supply-demand factors there, which we've talked about lots on this show. I mean, we've got PCE here, Mitch, in 13 minutes. You know, Let's yeah. see what that data gives us. Because yep. obviously, we don't want to see anything inflationary here. There's one thing 
you know, you get these GDP and it's kind of like, well, you can go silver lining. Is it good? Is it bad? I mean, if PCE comes in hot, it's flat out bad. So this is black and white. You know, this isn't something that has to be interpreted here. We do not want to see inflation starting to peak up here again. So we'll do those previews here in about 10 minutes right before we start. But we got a ton, ton of other stocks to cover. We also have merger, call it merger Thursday here. Uh, maybe we should jump in this before the <laughs> earnings stocks here. Because this little yeah, stock is first. 80% here. Yeah, let's go there. We'll go off the script a bit. All right, let's get to it. Of course, that's IMGN Immunogen here. Shares halted ahead of the announcement of the agreement to be acquired by Avvi for thirty-one twenty-six a share in cash. Uh, so uh, this is one that um, it, I, I see it. It's it open at twenty-eight ninety-six right now. Yeah, it seems like it, yeah, it's open. It's back open. Yeah, I was looking for my ask and my bid and ask price, but that's on another chart. Um, but yeah, it looks like it's open here. I have an agreement for thirty-one twenty-six. Is there still money on the table here, Dennis? Mm, again, you know, people, you've got to consider lots of things: time, value, money, and people are spooked on mergers. Not that there's probably any ah. concerns about antitrust here. The deal is so small, but people. Just risk herbs are always giving a discount here. Now they don't trade up to the prices right away. So you're right. You're 31.25. You're two dollars and twenty-five cents away. So you're seven eight percent discount here, which seems pretty good still. But again, this this the risk herbs are are you know pricing in a lot more risk than they did before. And the time value of money is a consideration here always too. You don't know how long some of these deals have to go. It's five and a half percent to six percent a year. So you've got to consider all that when you're playing these things as well. So they never trade right up to the price. But IMGN getting a pop. It lifted up the XBI. The XBI was very quiet here this morning. XBI is popping big time here on this deal because IMGN, I believe, is 1.4% of the XBI. So if you're wondering why your XBI lifted here just after 7 o'clock, it's on this deal announcement here. Avi, not trading much. Drop in the bucket for them. It's down slightly on it, but it's a very small deal for them. And, and of course, uh, this is brought to you by Benzinga Pro, just bringing you guys uh, part of this, right? This is a lot on to do with Advi trying to get into their flagship cancer therapy, right? That's why they wanted this, um, it seems like. And uh, th- this is why it's so important to do your research with these companies, right? And it can be hit or miss, but if you really kind of research ahead of time, um, that's when I think that you can get kind of like a big winner in this space, but it's it's difficult. I will tell you right now, I try to stay away from it because I get confused all the time by these biotechs. But this is a big winner. Would you if if you were in this, Dennis, let's say for some reason you sell. You, you don't sell sit on around this for the last right? buck or two. And again, remember iRobot. I was in that one when it Perfect got taken example. over by Amazon. I sold that day at 60. And you know, you don't sit around for the last couple of bucks. Now it's at 36, and we don't know if it's getting taken over or not getting taken over. It's you know, seems like it's a different headline here every day. So I can't okay. figure out the EU's approving it or not. Um, just back to the IMGN though, it, it's it's about you know some diamonds in the rough. Like XBI has been beat up, and there are small companies that have really been beat up here. Some of them, and I think you know there's going to be more takeovers in this sector. Not that it's going to ignite all of them. We know financing is an issue for a lot of these smaller companies here now, and that's you know rates has been an issue. But XBI is very depressed, and if you think rates have peaked, there may be a call to be long the XBI. I'm not going to chase it on a day; it's up two bucks. But this is a breakout here, you know, obviously off IMGN. Maybe on pullbacks here, you get interested here. Also want to give a shout out to my buddy Brian Shannon here, who I made a call on this yesterday. I saw the tweet. He said, it cannot feel good. This was his tweet. It cannot feel good to be short 32 million shares of IMGN with the chart ready to break higher and strong fundamentals. Now, I don't think Brian thought it was going to get taken over, but shout out to Brian Shannon uh, for giving us a good technical look on a stock that got taken over here today. IMGN at Alpha Trends if you want to follow him. Yeah, I, I mean, it was hanging around. It was sleepy, right? I mean, uh, sleepy charts, the ones that sometimes get going, right? Um, at least you have your risk uh, parameters there. It's very important. Let's get to the earnings stocks. Let's go to Salesforce. Let's kick it off here. Q3 adjusted EPS, $2.11. Uh, beat the $2.06 estimate. Revenues of $8.72 billion. Uh, beat the $8.728 uh, billion estimate. So it looks like it was. It might have been off a little bit there on the millions. Um, but they also saw Q4 EPS here at $2.26 to $2.25 to $2.26 versus a $1 
and 98 estimate. So big boost there on the adjusted EPS outlook. Also big boost on revenue outlook for Q4, 9.18 billion to 9.23 billion versus an 8.4 billion estimate. All guidance looking good here uh, for Salesforce, but was it just a little bit too much, right? Well, you guys can see the first reaction might've had it wrong again. What is going on with these first reactions, guys? Did it go um, down on this? Yeah, I have. I, I have never saw that. 223.22. Wow. Yeah, the dip's just getting bought and everything. If it dips on its tech, it seems like it's getting bought 90% of the time. Nothing works that much, but it feels like it's 90% of the time. Um, it, it was a great night. For, it, the cloud stocks, technology stocks are just getting bought relentlessly on dips. I mean, we talked CrowdStrike yesterday, dipped yep. a little bit off the hop, and then it rips 20 points yesterday, just breakout to all-time highs, CRWD. Not all-time highs, I take it back. Two, two years ago, it was higher than this. But uh, two-year highs here for CrowdStrike. So we know Zscaler, it's the same thing. It's down at 176 pre-market during, you know, or after hours after their report and uh, never yes. even touched those levels in the regular session and then ripped higher here too. Just underneath demand all over the place on these stocks. And it was a great night for Cloud. The Snowflake, yeah. which we talked about and gave some love to back when it was like, I feel like it's 160. Now it's 188 here at Snow. So it's uh, reported here earnings too, if you want to give those, Mitch. Yeah, I'm just covering them all together here because we've got PCE coming up. So kind of speeding along here. Nutanix has also got Cloud with it too, and it's ripping too. So Cloud is hot. Yeah, and, and we've seen that at least in this space, there is still the demand out there and going to continue to see demand grow. At least that's why I would feel about cloud computing, just that segment, right? Of course, there's a lot of different segments, but these are kind of the leaders in this, and you can clearly see they're having the demand. All right, let's move on. Let's go to the disaster stock of the day. Let's go to Pure Storage. Hmm. All right, there you guys see the disaster here. EPS at 50 cents, beating the 40 cent estimate. But when it comes to revenue guidance, this was not good here, guys. They gave a Q4 revenue guidance of 782 million versus a 919.42 million estimate. Yeah, when you miss by like um, close to like over 100 million, uh, maybe like 130, 140 million, yeah, that's going to definitely affect the stock p uh j just the outlook here soft outlook is not the recipe you cannot have lowered guidance and that's what you know all these companies that actually got bought on dips so we're talking about the tech companies here they were getting bought on the earnings were fine you know these dips were initial and they were like oh it's not good enough but it is but when you're lowering guidance that gets you hit no matter what and those dips haven't been getting bought nearly as much does a pstg because they're just buying dips. I don't know. I'm staying away from this one. I don't follow this company very closely either, though. It's a smaller name here. So not my cup of tea. I would say, you know, let's see if it can reclaim the 32 level, which was low from October 3204th below that right now. If it can claim that, it's got the potential to bounce in that area if it can trade up there intraday and obviously reclaim this pre-market. Uh, but it's hard to buy the dip on this one when they're lowering guides. Yeah, down about 16% in pre-market. So we'll see what happens there. Let's move over to some retail stocks. We'll keep moving in about two or three minutes. I will give you yeah. guys those retail numbers, uh, yeah. those economic numbers before they come in here. Let's go to Victoria's Secret. This has been strong. Let's take a look at the action off of the earnings. As you can see, it just hung in there. And look at the dailies, though. This is really kind of looking like it's at least enjoying some seasonality push. Adjusted EPS here at a loss of 86 cents, missing the loss of 78 cent estimate. Sales of 1.26 billion, missed the 1.27 billion estimate. Q4 net sales up two to four percent, um, and they see adjusted EPS at two to twenty, the 260 versus a 243 estimate, and sees fiscal year 24 net sales down also two to three percent. Um, so it really wasn't the best earnings, but this just goes to show you how seasonality sometimes can help stocks. It's just, you know, you got to give a perspective and it looks like it's been really hot here for the last couple of weeks, but the last couple of years, the stock's been a disaster. It feels like Foot Locker. I mean, it feels like the same thing as Foot Locker, even though completely different, sell completely different stuff. The charts feel the same. Foot Locker mm -hmm. held on yesterday. I mean, it held on to those yeah. gains. Um, I still think 
longer term, these stocks are both heading lower. So I would be a seller of these rallies. Short term, though, they're squeezing shorts right now. So you got a little bit of a short squeeze happening here. People thinking, you know, all the retail mall-based retailers all going out of business. Some of them are, but nothing goes straight down. Nothing goes straight to zero, and they like to punish shorts. I mean, Foot Locker has basically doubled since it's low in August, from 1484 up to 2896. It basically doubled. That's incredible. And a company that has sales declining, you know, as much as they are. So I think it's a gift. I think it's a long-term gift. I think the Foot Locker, you know, this 28 to 30 area is a huge sell zone. Um, I also think BSCO is a gift here as well, but they're oversold. So I'm not coming in here shorting these stocks. If I was long these stocks, I would take the profits and run. Yeah, I think they can maybe save themselves by going further and further into DTC. Um, and at least they have a brand. So maybe they have a little bit of an edge on a footlocker. But yeah, I kind of agree. It's it's a dying brand, if anything. Um, but hey, let's move past that. Let's go to five below. Let's sneak this one in before uh, we'll do five and I'll do express. I'll probably pull them together here. Uh, five below beat on EPS. They beat on estimates on revenue and their Q4 net sales at 1.32 billion to 1.35. Doesn't look too bad here for five below, but not really getting a move here. But I mean, from the push that it's had since October, at least didn't really break down. And that was a 28% run. I'm torn on these dollar stores, like five below Dollar Tree, Dollar General. I've talked about, you know, Dollar Tree and Dollar General just being oversold. I never really got the $5 store. I had this rant yesterday, so there's no sense repeating the whole thing because we got one minute before. I'm just not a fan of these stocks. I'm not a fan of five below. So we got one minute here. Quick preview here, Mitch, because um, PCE is going to be market moving here. I'm going wide. I'm actually canceling all my orders here right now because this is going to be market moving. Let's do it. I'm bringing up Benzinga so you guys can watch this as it comes through. Calendar right here. We're going to talk about PCE really quickly, but there's other numbers coming in. Here you guys see the estimates. You see 3.5, the consensus for core PCE year over year. Regular PCE year over year, the expectations are at 3.0 and the prior being 3.4. Let's see what happens here. Do we go below the three on the year over year outlook? Month-over-month outlooks here for core PCE is a 0.2 consensus, prior being 0.3, so expected to come down 0.1. And then if you look at the month-over-month at 0.1 consensus and prior being 0.4, so that's expected to come down 0.3 here. Let's see what happens when it comes in. Like always, sometimes there's a little bit of a lag here as the numbers come in. If you guys see the report out, feel free to throw them up in the chat. Let's get to the action. I'm going to lean on you here, Mitch, because I'm going to be trading this. I'll try to stay live with you guys. Normally, we have Joel and I leave to actually trade this yeah, number. I'm going to try to worry. just stay with you guys here, but it's going to be a, it's going to be a, it's going to be moving. Yeah, not a worry, man. I will also put up my charts here so you guys can watch the price action. I'll make some comments on the price action as it first starts moving. Then I'll deliver the numbers for you guys. Let's see what happens here. Let's go to the spy. We can also take a look at the TLT. Uh, but I'm going to go even to the one minute. So. Just don't overreact, guys. Remember, it's the one minute. I want to tell you guys that. Uh, there's the first motion. It was downward. Uh, let's see what happens when the news hits here. Looking for the news to come in. I'll let you guys know. First reaction, it looks like to the upside. I'm hitting refresh here, even from the government site, to see if I got the report. Still no current release there. So just waiting to get that right now. But first reaction goes up. Now it comes right back into play. Let's see what happens here as we got a little bit of a spike there. High on SPY, 456.64, low 456.07. Let's see what happens in this one minute here. Initial jobless claims I have already 218,000 versus 220,000 prior being 211. So a little bit under the estimate there, but at least over the prior. Um, Now we're looking at some different numbers coming in. Just as I talk about this, uh, I did get personal spending. But I'm looking for, of course, the PCE numbers. Here's core PCE month over month at 0.2 versus a 0.2 estimate prior being 0.3. So that came in line. Core PCE month over month. Core PCE year over year at 3.5 versus a 3.5 estimate. 3.7 being prior. So essentially coming in in line and coming down. That's good news, at least from what I see here so far. Let me see when I get the uh, the overall number here. And I'll refresh here also in just a second. Take a look at the current release and point to 
what particularly is giving us the most inflation, right? There's different segments there that I'll be looking at. Um, I'm waiting to see still the other number. We'll get it in just a second here, guys. That should be up already. Uh, just give me a couple seconds here. Um, also trying to refresh here, the government site, still not seeing it up on there. So I'll give you guys that as soon as I get it. All right, good so far here, uh, month over month, actual at zero, forecast 0.1, EKS coming in with it. Um, and the year over year at 3%, forecast 3%, well, pretty much in line there uh, is what I'm seeing. So as long as if it's in line, is that good news, bad news? That's the hard part here to determine, at least from the price action that we're seeing right here, we're seeing a little bit of mix. I feel like it tried to pop because it wasn't, you know, hot. Um, it wasn't a the, negative. The algos, so so the algos don't know what to do with it because it's an inline number here. So it's not it, a exactly. beat, it's not They're a going miss, up it's and in down. line. And that's why you're seeing this chop. It's like, well, they hit it. They're like, well, it's not better, but oh, it's not worse. So this is where you get the gray area. I was like, beat, it's clear, miss, it's clear. But when it comes in line, the algos don't know what to do with it here. So that's why we're sitting here chopping around here. They bought it, then they sold it. Now they're buying it here again. I don't think this derails the market. I don't think this derails the ball thesis. I don't think we have new information that's like, whoa, wait a second. We're getting hot here again. TLT will be your lie detector here as well. It hasn't moved on this number. It was down and it's sitting here. So keep an eye on the TLT. Very important here if you're trading the stocks. TLT really hasn't moved. It is down on the day and you can say, well, it's down. But again, we've been down all morning here. We really didn't move much on this number. All right, let's move on. I think uh, we're not really seeing much reaction from this. We can continue to watch. I'll watch the TLT also. The TLT yeah, went down a little bit, but it's bouncing off that 92.30, 92.60 area. Of course, we drew that thick line. That's uh, kind of your October lows from 22. You got 92.26 there, and it bounced right off of that level. So I think that's interesting to see. And now we're bouncing right back up. We'll see if we take kind of 92.50s. And really start to move there to the upside on the TLT. All right. Uh, we got CC in the back. So I'm thinking, you know Ray what? Mon. Let's get right Let's to go. the action. Let's get to CC Legator, guys. Smash the like. Option AI coming at you. All right. Let's bring on CC. How we doing? It's good to have you. Good. Great to see you guys. Yeah, I have here. Um, I actually have my own option AI um, account. So I want you guys, of course, to check it out. So if you want to point to any stocks there, just let me know, CC. We can yeah. bring it up. And then I also saw that you guys have been putting out even the expected moves. Right? Oh, yeah. So you guys can definitely catch this on their Twitter. I'll throw up the link right now in the in the chat. So let's get to these stocks, right, that we're reporting last night and yeah. and some of these reporting this morning. What are you seeing out there from these expected moves? Maybe one that caught you by surprise. Well, clearly that Salesforce, right? So if you look at that um, snowflake, I think it's almost exactly that expected move, right? So that's like, all right, a good report. If the stock gets bought, it goes up in line with the expected move. That Salesforce move, I think, is about double what options were pricing. So that just goes to show you how, you know, how bullish that report was taken and received, right? Yeah. So that, you know, yeah, that snowflake, it might even still show it from yesterday. And um, yeah, so that the, the the Salesforce, that's clearly a that was that was massively bullish, that report, or at least the way it was received by traders, because I think the expected move was for under 5%, like 4.6% or something like mm -hmm. that. Yeah. So you double. So what happens, CC, let's talk about this scenario. Yeah. How do you play it when it blows out the expected move? What got it. Because we know, like, yeah. you know, you like to play it or off the expected move, but let's say the expected move blown out here by 4%. What mm -hmm. do you do now? Yeah, so that's why, I mean, I always say, if you are an earnings trader, and generally, if people are trading earnings, it's a very similar thing to the way people, a lot of traders trade zero DTE, is they're basically taking the expected move. They're selling the expected move. They're selling the move, right? And what is going to happen there with a probability standpoint is that expected move, that stock will either move in line with it, like Snowflake did, or inside of it, about 70% of the time, right? So the problem is, is when you're wrong, you can be really wrong. Like that Salesforce would have, it would have been twice the move that you were selling, right? 
And so I always say like, make the math simple, do defined risk trades. Don't just sell upside calls. Don't just, uh, you know, sell a strangle. If you do something like an iron condor, or if you do a credit put spread or a credit call spread, you know exactly what you're going to lose, right? And then you can do the math and you can say, listen, if this happens one every four times or one every three times, I can survive that because I'm going to make a little bit on each every single other one of those. Now, the flip side of that is if you are just playing directionally, this is a real, you know, like if you're just saying I'm, I'm bullish Salesforce and I want to, you know, this earnings event could be a catalyst. The way I would have looked at this chart is it's a really interesting chart. So look at that front, you know, this week's right where you're uh, hovering, Mitch, that front week volatility is 102, right on that chart. Then go out to the other side of that chart and you'll see it. It's probably like in the 40s or something. It drops really quickly into the 30s, right? And that flat expected move is basically telling you the options market is so pumped for earnings and so low, like the actual implied volatility of options out into January, February. If I had been bullish Salesforce going into yesterday's earnings, I would have been looking out to January or February because the options market is not punishing you in any way for buying more time. You could buy a call and your break even might just be three or four dollars higher in the stock, like nothing, right? Whereas a lot of times under normal vol conditions where it's like, you know, it's 50 across the board, going out a couple of months, it's, it's expensive, right? To buy that kind of time in the options market. When I see a chart like that and it's basically flatlined, and you can compare this like uh, Mitch just put in like SPY or Qs as a comparison you'll see what like a normal um, expected move looks like, which is, you know, it's kind of, it's, you know, it looks like a V going out, right? Mm -hmm. That Salesforce expected move looks like, it looks like a V and then kind of almost flatlining. And so that's telling me if I had been bullish Salesforce into earnings yesterday, I just would have gone out and bought, you know, January, February calls or call spreads or something like that. So that's the way I look at that. It's like that, that kind of chart catches my eye. As soon as Mitch pulled it up, I was like, oh yeah, that's, that's a crazy looking chart. That's really pumped front month vol in a really low vol environment. Let's talk about that extreme low, uh, low volatility that we've been seeing. We've been seeing the VIX. I mean, it's back to pre-pandemic, right? I mean, yeah. just we hit that. Um, how is that actually affecting the options market right now as we speak? And is this something that maybe we could be looking to see an increase coming into the next year? Yeah, so it's it's literally three three year lows, and this is these are like historic lows. This is basically as low as you'll ever see the VIX, and you know you might see it historically. It's gotten as low as you know you'll see eleven, twelve, or whatever. But it, this is basically the floor, right? Where is the average? The average Where is, is the nineteen. VIX? It's nineteen. It's that's the long term average is nineteen, but. Imagine what that looks like. That's a lot yeah. of 13 and 14 and 13 and 14, and then a spike to 50, right? right. So the time like spent down near here is more much than... longer, right? Gotcha. And so that 19, it's like, a, it's a mean, really. It's not even yeah. an average, right? Yeah. So the dispersion is like, you know, like it doesn't, it wouldn't even look close to like huddling around 19. So it look more like to a median or something that exactly. maybe is a better indicator. So, yep. so it's not abnormal for right. us to be hanging around 12, 13. Like a lot of people think, oh, this is historically low. Yeah. But really, it hangs around here more than it hangs around anywhere else, this 12 exactly. 13 area. Yeah, those yeah. brief visits to 30 are like... That throw, that throw the average it, right out. It's so it's week. not like it's always hanging around 19. We're hanging exactly. around 19, risk is elevated. Yeah. So in normal markets, we're probably hanging around this 13. Yeah. And here's here's a stat I just saw the other day, which is really fascinating. Um, when the VIX is 13, the annualized return, like the daily, like if you just took what the market does every day with the VIX at 13, the annualized return is 70 is up 75 percent in the market. Wow. So, you know, to Mitch's question, it's like, well, what what does a 13 VIX feel like in the market? It feels like exactly what we've seen the last two weeks, which is like this staircase, right? So 
it's like the S the SPX, if you saw it, it, it you know, it hit 4,500 and then it went sideways for a week. Right. And then it kind of like it absorbed enough of the stock that was there to be sold at that level. And then it popped up to what, 4550 for the last week. And then it's gone sideways, right? And it looks like this morning and yes, you know, like the last couple of days, it's trying to break higher from here. We'll see if that happens or if a bunch of sellers, you know, come in this morning after these numbers. But that's what that feels like. And it's basically pricing about a half a percent move a day. And that will happen two out of three, three out of four days. And then what that feels like on the other side, like to Dennis's word chop, it's like, you know, the market will open down a half a percent and it'll find buyers, you know, and most days it'll open up, 50, you know, half a percent and it'll find sellers. But then over time, it just sort of stair steps higher. It's a slow grind higher. And until the, the, the you basically live in that space for a long time where it feels like that. And it basically it's the market overloaded with gamma. Every nobody's buying puts right now. There's no fear, right? And zero fear. And and it makes sense, right? Because people are looking at the market and they're saying, why waste my money now? I'll know it when I see it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And 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 they're right to some extent. Like, you know, and what that would look like if we were to start to reverse is it would probably feel like an acceleration, right? So it would be. Let's say, you know, let's just take a big round number. Let's say the market was hanging out at 40, you know, 4,600, let's say. And all of a sudden you saw that first half a percent move down and it didn't get bought. And then the next day was down, you know, three quarters of a point. And then the next day was 1%. Then all of a sudden people are like, oh, I should back up my chart and see what happens if the market pulls back 5%. And then they start reaching for puts. They're worried about... I mean, the Nasdaq's up, what, 46% on the year, right? They're like, oh, maybe I should hedge some of that stuff, right? (laughs) And then that's that's when you break free of that mindset. And that's when you see the VIX at least go to 15 or 16 or something like that. And it's like that appetite for, oh, I should, what happens? Does the market ever go down? Oh, I forgot about that, right? Yeah, I, I think that can, uh, of course, lead into December expiration, right? And how mm-hmm. you'll see some window dressing kind of line up into that. And yeah. of course, I mean, why wouldn't you want to have those names, right? I mean, you'd, you'd well, that, look real dumb not to have some NVIDIA, right? <laughs> or have some meta in your exactly. portfolio. I was curious. I actually went back and looked at December of last year. And the window dressing was opposite, right? But it had been a yeah. really bad year. Right. And now we've had a really good year. We're finishing really strong. Yeah. Chances are you probably see that window dressing the other way. And you bring up a great point, which is, you know, what are the upcoming catalysts? Clearly, economic data like this morning are not even moving anything. Right. I mean, we still have with the jobs number next week, we have um, CPI, I think, the week after. Right. So there's a couple of things. Powell speaking tomorrow. Right. I think. Mm -hmm. And. So there's some stuff on the calendar, but that December expiration is probably the next chance where the market clears itself from some of this, you know, overhang of like loaded with options and no fear, things like that. And then, you know, when I was thinking recently, and I don't know, maybe I'll get your guys' opinion on this, is the other way the VIX starts to pick up from 13 or 12 and a half or whatever it is is actually to the upside with stocks to the upside and there are a couple of signs of that right now and you know just like take a look at like the iwm chart right imagine Mm -hmm. if iwm i think it's doing like a little bit of a flag here you know like a, a lot of things are right here imagine if that those kinds of stocks started to play pickup Right. And there are it it does feel like a couple of signs of that in the last two weeks where you're seeing some crazy moves to the upside and some of the smaller names. I think the big cap stocks are generally still kind of trading like the market, you know, like Microsoft found sellers yesterday or whatever, you know, Apple found sellers. But some of these other stocks are starting to go hockey stick. Right. Mm -hmm. Some of these smaller names. That actually is another way that volatility picks up and things start to get exciting is you start to see some stupidity to the upside, right? And I wouldn't, you know, I'm not judgmental of that, but the conditions are 
that you could see, let's say you went through these next couple of weeks of economic numbers, and it just really looked like the Goldilocks scenario to start off January, right? Soft landing. Uh, I don't even, at the Fed at this point, I think if they were to like signal their lowering rates, that's not a good thing. So let's say everything just kind of stayed Goldilocks into January. There's a bunch of people that have been waiting for this market to pull back. They didn't get it. There's some FOMO. They start jumping over each other to get back into the market to start 2024. You could see some silliness to the upside, right? And that's the other way is then people start reaching for calls. They start reaching for upside calls. You know, before you know it, you're in meme stock era, right? And so that is like, I think that's becoming increasingly possible is that 2024 might start off with some silliness. Well, and if we see the reversal of what we saw, it'd be like tech lags and you get all these small caps have just been, you know, some of them have been just murdered. Yeah. I mean, it's been the tale of two markets this year where if you've been in tech, you've had a really good year. But if you haven't been in tech, this has been a really, really tough year for you. And a lot of times what we saw last year was the trade reverse. Tech was weak. And then, you know, they kept buying and they were buying up all the tech stocks in January. I mean, if we see a January effect, where the trade reverses here would be money coming out of tech and going into all this small stuff, which has just been killed. Well, I mean, there yeah. is so many small cap names that are down 30, 40, 50% on the year. Yeah. Some of these could go hockey stick. I mean, you know, yeah. we saw it, you know, we've saw it with Foot Locker. I mean, Foot Locker reported pretty crappy numbers, pretty, you know, disappointing company overall. Sales are falling 8%. Yet, you know, we've turned around and boom, the earnings, they blast off because. There's just one seller exhaustion in these things, but two, just low, low expectations. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe we do see that trade reverse in the new year. And maybe well, some but, of these stocks do go hockey stick. Well, Dennis, it's interesting. I feel like every time I'm on the show, we're at some like extreme of something. So when <laughs> That's I, just the last, last time I was on, we were looking at like, remember like the, I think it was the last time solar stocks were getting killed. Remember? Yeah. And yeah. you were mentioning, it was a really smart point that you were mentioning, like, you know, at that point, the 10-year yield was up above 5%. It was like these these small, heavy in debt, you know, type names were just getting absolutely murdered yeah. because for obvious reasons, it was like a lot of their businesses on borrowed money, right? Yes. Now, the what's the 10-year? Below 4.3. Everything's reversing. So I I keep going back to that IWM chart and it's like that thing has a ton of room to catch up if those if those, you know, crappy names start getting bought and people start getting excited in those things again. And, you know, you just think about the types of names in IWM. It's like it's those kinds of names like we were talking about solar stocks. Aren't like like the regional banks all in there? Oh, yeah. All you know, you think about like all you think about like all the pressure that was on those regional bank names, we thought they'd all go out of business with interest rates at, you know, 6% and stuff, right? So all of that is changing. If those, if people do start diving into those, like there's a, you know, a fear of missing out. Yeah, I think you could see some craziness. Yeah. Perfect example of that stock, I think would be like, I I saw pretty good action in Schwab yesterday. Oh, yeah. Um, And and that was almost dead. Yeah, I mean, that's a good day for Schwab. Weren't um, people like I swear, like people were like, oh, Schwab's gonna go out of business. Yeah, right. Like, yeah, they, I mean, they, it, they were, they were betting extreme. on it. Yeah. I mean, that was when we were in the regional banking crisis. But yeah, a lot of these stocks that are really beaten up, you know, they've yeah. come back a bit, but they're still, you know, significantly off the highs. Yeah. I mean, even consumer staples and utilities. I mean, we've talked about this one, Nextera Energy. This was a darling of the market, NEE I'm talking about. This was a yep. darling for a very long time. I mean, 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020, this stock just couldn't go down. It had the COVID fall that everything had. But if you eliminate that, the yep. stock went straight from 30 to 90 and pretty much a, per- a perfect line if you l- eliminate those COVID lows. Yep. And now, you know, here we are in literally a couple of months giving back four years of gains. I mean, oh, the yeah. whole reason for that is utilities, they borrow a lot of money to keep their operations going here. So if you think rates have topped, this is play here. You know, here's a uh, here was you know a solid company, solid utility stock that's been thrown out. And there's other ones here too. You know, I've talked about Enbridge before, but there's you know a lot of you know these staples and 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 utility names that are just beat up because rates you know have been higher than than we've seen in years. You know, in, in yeah. ten years. So you know maybe there is a potential if rates are actually peaked that some of these stocks do take over here. 
And there's there's an interesting sign you can look for if this is starting to happen. Obviously, besides just your your feed every morning with some new stock up twenty percent that you've never heard of. But um, the other one is the VIX will tend to go up on updates, right? And I think there was like a little bit of a sign of it yesterday. So you'll see, like, let's say the the VIX is up, or I'm sorry, the market's up one percent or something. It starts taking off you actually start to see the VIX start to creep higher. And it's basically, that's the sign of people buying upside calls, you know, getting a little over their skis, getting a little crazy to the upside, right? And that's like one of those signs. And one of the things here that I've been looking at recently, as far as trading is Mitch, go to Options AI and pull up that um, IWM. Uh, look at IWM real quick. And I just want to kind of use this to emphasize just how low option volatility is. So IWM is up, uh, let's call it like, I don't know, 11, 12% or something in that since this bounce. And if you look at the way that the options market is pricing, just go hit like the one year chart up top, Mitch. Um, all right. So now go all the way out to the end, right? Uh, what is that? 12%, right? If you look at that move, we just, we just saw a move like that in like the last, you know, that move from those lows right there. So the options market is basically giving you almost a year for a similar move to happen. Now look at where that is on the chart. That's up at that back at that top of that range, right? Yep. Yeah. So you're basically the options market is saying, "Hey, do you think there's a chance IWM goes back up to that, you know, weird range it's been in for a year and a half or however long that's been uh in in 2024." They're saying and it's like, "Well, of course there's I would give that at least like a 50% chance of happening." I don't know. And so yeah. the, uh, the options market is basically saying, you know, go out, look out in time. Uh, are you bullish in something? Are you bullish for th 2024? Are you bearish or are you really worried with what you've just, you know, you own a bunch of big cap tech stocks. Are you worried about it? It's like go out six months and hedge it for next to nothing. Right. So all that's that's what I look at when you see these, you know, extremely low VIX levels is people are like, oh, the VIX is 13. I'm going to short this market because it's got to be close to, you know, topping out. It's like, that's that's not how it works. That might take, you know, do you think that's going to happen this week or do you think that's going to happen the in the next The timing of that months? is so hard to do. It's so impossible, right? Yeah. And so, but when I'm saying, you know, the options market is saying, don't try to do it this week. You know, we're, we're basically giving you a free look out to February for it to happen, Right. And so that's the kind of things that like traders should be looking at is if, even if you're bearish into 2024, even if you want to hedge these gains, you don't want to sell for tax reasons or whatever. It's like, go buy a really cheap put out in March or something. And then in this case, it's like, are you bullish in small cap tech for the next or small cap? I'm sorry, for the next uh, year. <laughs> I mean, it's really cheap vol. Yeah, pretty, yeah. pretty cheap there. I mean, for being that far out, 296 days. Yeah, only twenty percent. I mean, that, it's that's that's unheard of. Uh, a lot of the times. I mean, normally it'd be... it's when the VIX is this low. It's not yeah. unheard yeah. of, Mitch. It's and you have to take the advantage. VIX is low right now. I mean, yeah. you're take getting the opportunity. Right? So you know what the best option? You know, if you remember this one was me and Joel were talking about it back during before the COVID crisis happened, and you know we talked about in January of 2020. We could see you know what's happening in social media. I'm like, if this virus hits. Yeah, you know it's going to be a mess. You know that what they're doing in China is I've never seen stuff like this before, and ends up, um, you know, pr I was looking at you know the spy premiums then, and you know I was buying puts, and I never buy puts on the overall market, but I bought puts on a bunch of my portfolio, and yeah. I think the, I think spy was trading around three thirty at the time. Yeah, and I went out, you know, like three four months, yeah. um, and I was buying like the three twenty five puts, which were you know only five points out of the money for four bucks. Yeah. So I'm talking about nine bucks. And so I literally like paid four dollars for those puts. And I think I was out two months or three months. And um, you know, what what was I paying? Like three percent, something like that, to hedge yeah. my portfolio. Nothing. I took those puts off. because this was a hedge that I put on my portfolio. I bought those puts, I think, for five dollars. I took those puts off for fifty dollars. Yeah. So I mean, it was just because nobody was pricing in any type of risk, nothing. which we could clearly see coming that there was risk. Well, I mean, that's... maybe it turned into a nothing burger. And maybe COVID wasn't going to happen and right. maybe they were going to get it contained and then I was going to lose my five bucks. But if I didn't, 
it was going to yep. pay. And I took it off poorly because I took it off when this S&P went down to 280 for 50 right. points. The S&P going down to 220, I think it went down to, or 225. Right. I could have got 100 points on those. Yep. So it just shows you when the VIX is low, and I've said this before, when the VIX is really low, you want to almost be a net option buyer when it yep. starts to get to these really low spots. And we'll when it go goes out. high... You want to be a net option seller here. So yeah. when we're down here 12 to 13, if you're nervous about the market, maybe it's better not to short stocks to your point, but just to buy puts. Yeah. And go out in time. And it's funny. The, yeah, you got to go out far enough. That's the key. You got to go, go out far enough. You got to give yourself your time. And then the other thing, Dennis, which is interesting about the COVID thing is you're watching those stories out of China, right? You probably had a couple of weeks to do it, right? So yeah. you had- too, We were too early. Yeah, so exactly. See, I told this story too. I bought a whole bunch of puts on airlines that expired in February. I bought <laughs> cruise line puts and airline puts, and I had puts on LUV. Right. And I'm like, this is January. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm too bloody early. I'm like, yeah. and they all expired worthless. I was like, literally too early. So then I went out to June on the next ones. I'm like, I'm giving myself enough time, and I made it up on the next ones. But I'm like, it was, you know, and that was my best month, the March of 2023, because I had puts, I had all this stuff going on. That was my best trading month of March 2023 with that fall yeah. that I had in, in 15 years. And it's well, still, it, it's, it, it's, you know, I made more in that month than I make in some years. So, I mean, good. it was, and again, just, you know, positioning, looking at social media and looking at different things. So I forget where you were going, but you know, well, you've got to go far it... enough because they, they expire worthless on you sometimes. Exactly. I mean, don't go well, far enough. It's going to make us sound really old, but remember in the great financial crisis uh, year, you had Bear Stearns happen. What was that? Like the spring, right? And then it took another six, seven months for the rest to come collapsing down. Yeah, right? Lehman and, was way after. And so it's the same thing. If I was going into 2024, there's some very obvious signs that you can look out for and you're not going to be laid on it, right? So if all of a sudden the soft landing doesn't look so soft, look, the Fed basically crushed the economy and we're just waiting for it to happen. And then the Fed starts getting worried and they're starting to lower rates. That's a really bearish signal to me. You're probably going to have a month or something to really get bared up on that, right? It's going to it's going to take some time for that for the market to absorb that. And you're going to see it on pre-market prep first and you're going to have a month <laughs> to get all bared up. <laughs> yeah, I, I wanted to show you last... everything. You don't want to be uh, too early because that's yeah. the same as being wrong. Yep. yep. Last feature I wanted to show here on Option AI, of course, if you can always click kind of the options if you're looking for a bullish, neutral, bearish, and then really start playing with it, right? This is where I think the features really come in um, and you really get to see kind of the price action. And instead of just looking at, you know, just a list of options, might as well get a graphical representation here. So definitely check out options AI guys. I also threw up the link there for their Twitter to get that uh, expected move graphic and keep up with them. I follow them. I definitely check them out, guys. Uh, here's the link one last time. And any last words, CC, before we get you out of here? No, that's it. Um, yeah, that's it. I can't think of anything else. All right, CC Legator, co-founder, Option AI. Definitely check it out, team. I'll also throw up, of course, Option AI's link here if you guys just want to go straight to Great the source, of course. Uh, yeah, I, I love it. There's a reason why I have an account, guys. If you guys want to check it out, go ahead. There's the link. It's always good to have you, CC. Awesome. Great to see you guys. All Thanks, right, CC. let's get back to the market. How are we looking here, Dennis? Um, we're leaking. And, you know, the tell is the TLT. We warned about this and keep an eye on this. The TLT has started to leak here. We've lost about 35 cents, which is significant. And bonds don't move around. Like, you never get these. Like, people are like, ah, oh, 0.7%. Who cares? You got to put it in perspective, folks. There's so much more money in the bond market. A 1% move in bonds is a huge move. So we don't see 4 or 5% moves in TLT. So 0.7% is something to take note of. So it is leaking. It is causing the overall market to leak to a certain extent, too. I think we're in store for more chop. I think we're just at a real battle between the bulls and the bears. We've talked about this yesterday on the show, and I feel like the previous day on the show is that we've come a long ways, a little bit too far, too fast. But seasonality wants to push us higher. Chasers want to push us higher. But you've also got profit takers that are kind of trying to take profits and knocking us down here a bit. So we're in a battleground here. I don't think it's an easy call here. I'm going to keep saying the next week to two weeks is a very difficult call. Sometimes, you know, the market sets up really well and you can figure things out and you're like, well, this is an easier setup. And other times it's just, you know, tricky. When it's tricky, you back off or you don't trade. You don't have to trade. I mean, I have to trade every day because I have to pay my bills. But for the most part, I mean, if it's, you know, if they're throwing curveballs at me, don't swing. Yeah. 
I agree. And I think that's so important that you talk about that all the time, Dennis. And uh, like you mentioned, for certain people like you that, you know, this is literally your everything. Yeah, you're going to probably take some shots. But I'll also take some for shots, those... but it's going to be it's going to be like I'm not swinging at everything, you know, exactly. when when you've got, you know, the bulls in full control here, I'm swinging at all the longs when the shorts are in full, when when the bears are in full control, I'm swinging at all the shorts when it's mixed. And we are clearly in a mixed market here right now. Maybe not today. We're up a little bit, but the TLT going down and feeling like it could continue to leak here when you have, you know, like you have mixed feelings, you got to just take the clean setups. You got to look and be pickier with your pitches. Don't swing at the pitches in the dirt. Yeah, man, you ain't gonna hit many sliders there on that corner right there. You know, but, you're uh, a baseball player, Mitch. You it's know. how it is, man. You, you you let that one go, and you look for the next opportunity. A lot of the times, right? Especially in uncertainty, and that's clearly what we're seeing right now, right? Of course, we expect kind of the Bulls still staying in control. I don't think Dennis or I are saying that. Yeah, the Bears are gonna come here and just could destroy the Bulls, but could we be due for some kind of pullback and then see another rally come after that? Yeah. I think that we could be setting up for something like that. All right, guys, that's going to do it for us. Like always, you guys can keep up with Triple D Trader. Go do what you do best, my friend. Get to your Pretty trading much. action. I'm going to get you guys over to live trading. That's coming up next. And like always, guys, all this information is for, of course, education, not to be used as investment advice and opinions do not represent those of Benzinga. Hosts and guests may maintain positions in the securities discussed today. And if you're a little bit on the bearish side like i am at least for the intraday action today come find out what i can do of course i've talked about it how i took a little bit of a shot on success i'll talk a little bit about another stock that i took a shot on short side it has something to do with bitcoin so if you want to find out about that you got to come over to live trading smash the like i'll see you guys over there and like always let's keep it going right here on benzinga <music> Thank you.